0: Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. Extra drama for love letters. <laughs> book number 17.
1: Is <laughs> Caroline's romance for real. Love <laughs> letters.
0: Hi, I'm your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and I am here again with Jeremy Shattuck. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. So um, there were some more things about love letters that we wanted to talk about, and then I have a letter of my own that I'd like to share with you and the listeners. Um, Is it a love letter? In a way. Did you have any um, other things about the book that you wanted to dig into about love letters?
1: I just want to say uh, thematically, the book... You know, really comes across, I want to say, of course, I think the obvious one is be yourself, mm-hmm. develop, you know, that means, we, I think we talked about develop a personality. For be Caroline, yourself. yeah. For Caroline, be yourself. But I think on a deeper thematic level, I was very, I'm very surprised this is written by by a woman, I want to say, for one, because I feel like there's a lot of strange subtext in it. But I would absolutely say it seems like thematically it's more about ad- becoming adults.
0: Yeah, you know, a, yourself. a lot of these books, you read through them and they have like pretty shitty morals. And that's part of the delight for me in these series. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe teenagers read this one. This one from early on, I think, has a kind of a, makes a kind of valuable point for like young readers that... You know, there's more to life than being popular. That the, it says over and over again, um, although I don't know how much the rest of the teens of Sweet Valley bear this out, that you make more friends by, um, listening to people, um, and like being earnest with them than you do by just repeating gossip.
1: Caroline's big lesson.
0: Yeah, both Elizabeth and Anita tell her this. Like, you've gotta, you've gotta really listen to people if you wanna make friends. Um, and as we said before, I think that Caroline is a relatable character. Finally, in this book, we haven't had a chance to relate to her in previous books, but in this one, her kind of like relative loneliness and feeling like an outsider uh, is relatable, I'm sure, to a lot of teenagers.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I feel like um, yeah, personality is a little, you know. It's, I mean, it's a dire situation for through this through this book of you know struggling with alienation and. Mm-hmm. Important themes in life, but also um, just wondering if she's gonna make it. Yeah, what's next, Will Caroline, for Caroline? Make it. When's she gonna? She's gonna develop a hobby. She's gonna.
0: I honestly have no not idea. Just,
1: you know, find find this maybe new man in her life, and just be like, oh, I have a man now. Everything's okay. Yeah.
0: Well, the sad thing <laughs> for Caroline, as far as this book series goes, is that. Up until now, her main purpose in the series has been that she's this gossip. That she's, like, the switchboard operator for, like, all of Sweet Valley. Like, if you tell something to her, everybody finds out because she's such a terrible gossip. And so now that she's, like, over that, um, I don't know if there's a place for her in this book series anymore.
1: Well, you know, I feel like if her and Elizabeth are going to be friends, we know, obviously, Caroline is very imaginative. So, maybe Elizabeth should teach her to write plays or something, you know? Yeah. she Obviously, she needs something to do, and maybe she could do it.
0: I like that. I like that. Do you have any other things that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, yeah, this one's pretty random, but I wanted to really take it back to a the B-plot of them moving to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And when they're going through this whole process... Um, uh, they obviously, being uh, Elizabeth and Jessica, trying to convince their parents not to move to San Francisco for this uh, design job their mother got or was offered, and what she says to her father uh-huh. is really funny, which is, "Oh yeah, San Francisco is great. You can go to Chinatown and eat Chinese food." And she and they say in it, knowing knowing that. Their father was allergic to Chinese food, which just made me crack up. And I had to mention that because it's like he's allergic to Chinese food. Like this had to be written at a different time. Like, yeah. what does that even mean?
0: Yeah, like, like he's allergic to MSG. He's allergic I, to bok choy. No one knows. Like, what is like, he? He's allergic to soy.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, no one. Yeah. can be allergic to Chinese. It's food. a very serious statement. He's yeah. allergic to all Chinese food. Yeah, they
0: they just say and it in so. Passing.
1: He could... Moving to San Francisco would be the worst thing because of Chinatown because, you know...
0: There was would, another... He would die. He would die of this... <laughs> There's too much Chinese just food, just and the system
1: can't process it. I mean, it. I don't think Sweet Valley has – do they even have a Chinese restaurant? We know they have an Italian one.
0: You know, but. much later in the series, we find out that there are Chinese people in Sweet Valley. But oh, at this point, uh, Sweet Valley seems to exist in a California that wasn't largely populated by the Chinese rail workers that were, uh, you know – in practical slave labor mm-hmm. conditions uh, across California that settled the state as early as, like, what, like, the 19th
1: century? Right. Well, I think, you know, this is definitely maybe a tycoon town. You know, it's probably... Obviously, it's an assortment of mansions that this town probably was later built around. Yeah. You know? I mean, if they all have Olympic-sized swimming pools. then No one in this book doesn't have money except for her imaginary boyfriend.
0: Um, I think that... Every once in a while, when we see characters that don't have a lot of money, it's like an important part of their story. If they're, it's like, okay. if you're not wealthy, you're dirt poor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we just recently watched a character ascend from one end of the spectrum to the other. So. Oh, okay. Uh, there's another thing though about the San Francisco thing that I, I was a like, quote I highlighted. Um, so <laughs> Jessica is like doing a report on, uh, Natural and unnatural disasters. Ah, yes,
1: natural. (laughs) Which I think even her dad says, you know, he, like, laughs or something, right? He's like, what? She's
0: cutting out articles about San Francisco, and she says, I'm supposed to cover natural and unnatural disasters. Can I help it if so many happen to take place in San Francisco? (laughs) And later on, she says, it's amazing how tough life is in big cities. Like San Francisco, I suppose, her mother asked, smiling. Jessica shrugged. There are lots of advantages too, she pointed out. Who cares about little things like smog or drugs or crime when you've got all those theaters and restaurants? (laughs) It's like reverse psychology. I love it. Absolutely.
1: And that's right, yeah, right before she mentions Chinatown, I think. Oh, and you have Chinatown with all this delicious Chinese food.
0: Isn't that what we all uh, tell ourselves living in the (laughs) big cities? Um, I have something else actually, total pivot, um, but I've been I've been meaning to read this wonderful letter that I got from a listener. I am going to withhold this listener's true identity by request. Um, but this is a letter I alluded to earlier. Um, she writes, "I'm an author, historical and literary fiction, and my most recent book had a very successful launch, even hitting a bestseller list in its first week. Congratulations writer of this letter. Uh, my publisher is located in Seattle, which is about three hours away from me. So her publisher asked her to come down for a celebration. Um, I drove to the city listening to your podcast the whole way, which makes the story even funnier. Even though I was never a reader of Sweet Valley High books when I was a kid, I feel as if I know the characters very well, thanks to your in-depth coverage. Thank you. Thank <laughs> uh, you very yep. much. Anyway, all the editors and other employees of my imprint really threw me an impressive bash. Totally new experience for me. I'm definitely not used to being a guest of honor at fancy parties. And we all got a little too into our wine and cocktails. Pretty soon we began sharing our worst stories from our past, trying to outdo each other with true tales of personal hijinks, such as the embarrassing ways we met our partners or the worst things we'd ever done in high school. One editor in particular had a collection of fascinating stories. She clearly lived life to its fullest in her youth and had no regrets. She is blonde and very pretty, and I would say it's safe to describe her eye color as aquamarine. The more she told her tales of high school and college life, the more she reminded me of Jessica Wakefield. Then, (laughs) then, she confessed the worst thing she ever did, which was choking her sister at their birthday party. Their birthday party. Wait a minute. I said, do you have a twin sister? Yes, she said. We're identical twins, and my sister is perfect. She never does a thing wrong. She proceeded to tell me about the time she lured her twin sister into attending the rush for the sorority she, the editor, wanted to get into, even though her twin had no interest in Greek life. The rush party was busted by the cops since it was a dry campus, and the editor, who was absolutely plastered, was let go without any consequences, while her twin sister, who hadn't had more than a single sip of alcohol, ended up in deep trouble with the law and their, with their parents. Um, it was too much. This editor looks at least 10 years younger than I, way too young to have read Sweet Valley, but still, I had to know. I said, you're too young for this, but have you ever read the Sweet Valley books? She said, are you kidding me? My first job was editing Francine Pascal. And uh, she put that in quotes. And she wrote in quotes because, of course, it's all ghostwritten. She says, ah, my mind was thoroughly blown. And I guess she looks a lot younger than she is because the latest publication date on the Sweet Valley University books is 2000. Count on Jessica Wakefield to be so devious that she can even find a way to stop aging. (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah wow. sorry to set such a high bar listeners wow. for your future letter writing but oh my god
1: so d- did it i'm curious what it what her sister's name was then well obviously we this editor was. obviously this editor probably didn't have the same name or it would have been <laughs> mentioned but whatever sister was named elizabeth be,
0: yeah yeah be
1: crazy but that does bring me to this idea too of you know F- francie and his scout. Do you think, obviously if there's ghostwriters for these books, sure, this was written by, do you feel like it was a male voice or a female voice? I think this is always an interesting question as a writer.
0: Oh, that is interesting. Um, I actually feel like this one probably was written by a woman. Kind of going back to your initial point in the in our main episode, which was, is this what it's like to be a teen girl? And, like, (laughs) I think in some ways it kind of is. I mean, in the very, like, on steroids sort of crazy way, uh, Caroline's predicament feels very real. So, like, if you were to sit down to write a Sweet Valley High novel, Jeremy, as a ghostwriter for (laughs) Francine Pascal, you would not have had that information to access to write this book. Right. Yeah, this
1: this sort of depth of... You know, I mean, not not that it's all that dissimilar, but this idea of this gossip thing—that I think is very is different to at least you know my experience growing up or whatever—is this idea of uh, gossip and why yeah. everybody thinks being so important. Yeah, or,
0: I can still remember or a status
1: of dating someone wasn't a thing. I mean, sure, everyone like you as a you know you get lonely, etc., but yeah. it wasn't like a status thing to date someone. I,
0: in high school, didn't care about being popular. I was already kind of, like, over it. Like, I was already to the point in some ways that I am now, which is, like, oh, like, who wants to engage in these, like, petty childish things? Like, like, uh, like maybe almost too much. Like, I was trying – I was overcompensating a little bit. But I can still remember, like, the handful of, like, catty, mean things, like, gossipy things that I remember hearing, like, about myself or – not even necessarily by popular girls, but just, like, other girls that, like, they have stuck to me my entire life. Like, not that I care about them anymore, but, like – um But
1: you still remember, yeah. I still
0: remember, yeah, yeah. I remember a girl, like, maybe my freshman or sophomore year of high school, a friend of mine, like, she was trying to be – a good friend of mine. So she's like, I have to tell you what this other girl said about you. I still question. I questioned then and I question now the idea behind her telling me this. But um there sure. was some like rumor that I was going to go to a dance with a friend of mine. And this girl apparently said about the fact that we were going to go to this dance together. I don't know who I feel more sorry for. Uh, and I remember wow. that was like such an awful thing. This girl was like, not hot shit herself, so I I remember being really surprised though, and I've remembered that was like tw- almost twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously a, it's still left an effect, and yeah, I'm always curious about it. it's. It is this interesting sort of view in psychology because, you know, most most of um, whatever gr- girlfriends people have dated in my life, and even. My female friends—they always tell me about this real like cattiness of growing up, and you know, like that I don't understand—is this a view into that? You know, <laughs> from I a female think perspective of—is that—is it as cutthroat as women tell me it is? Being a teenage girl, you
0: know, like, I think in a way it can be. I mean, I don't think that I—that was not my experience in high school, <laughs> and I was blessed to be at my high school in a time when cliques were not that strong. I've talked about this actually way going way back to episode four. A friend of mine from high school was on the podcast and we talked a little bit about how thankfully at our high school the cliques were not that entrenched. But um I think that I've been thinking about this more like the older I get that part of the reason why when you think about like teenagers, especially like preteen teenagers and think about them as being like, oh, God, it's so awful is that it's like they're tr- still trying to learn how to be people like in the way that caroline is learning how to be an adult and i think that unfortunately maybe this has changed but like for girls a part of that is learning to like get through this kind of like winner take all like survival mentality against other girls i hope that that's changing now that um i feel like we're trying to teach girls and women a little bit more that you don't have to measure yourself based on um like what boyfriend you're you're able to land Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, or like measure yourself based on yeah, like how like sexy you look in your bathing suit at the beach. But I I don't I'm not like I don't have boots on the ground to tell me if that's really working for teenagers <laughs> yeah. um, nowadays.
1: Right. I have no idea. We have no idea what it's like anymore. What are these what are young people doing these
0: days? <laughs> yeah. Um, teen listeners, right in and tell <laughs>
1: right me. In. What's going Is there on? on no. like, yeah. I
0: sure fucking ah, hope
1: not. When I feel for me, like, I went to an alternative school, so I was, I feel very insulated that I have no idea, <laughs> you know, what mm-hmm. happened, because what, what was, what was the real world like? I don't know. What was alternative school like? Uh, very insulated, tiny, like everyone was in the same grade. We didn't have a grading system. This is like all high schoolers, middle schoolers, you know, in a room together. So we yeah. were insulated, of course. You, we have like, you have the same problems as any teenagers. Like, what? Why doesn't this person like me like I like them? You know, sure. they threw away my rose I gave to them. You know, whatever the yeah. case may be. Um,
0: that sounds like a real story. <laughs> yeah.
1: It wasn't a rose; it was a uh, peppermint pig, Aww. which was a, yeah, it was like a pig. It was uh, pretty thoughtful. It was a, apparently a thoughtful young young man, young thirteen year old. But Aww. she she, uh, she obviously didn't appreciate it, so I think I broke it or something. Yeah, like, definitely. It's like why? It's like you're so mean. She was mean.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? You learned your lesson because mean girls. Yeah. Or, not, or not all that. <laughs> not all that. I'm trying to spread the gospel to men everywhere. <laughs> I know. I feel like Stop we're really. Stop liking mean girls.
1: We're taking this be yourself, but if you're mean, don't be yourself yeah
0: sorry i just have always taken it a personal affront as a very very nice girl that uh mean girls seem to get all the uh all the attention anyway um jeremy thank you so much for joining me yeah, thank you i thank feel you like we could go me. on yeah because i feel like thematically...
1: this would just become a completely different podcast of <laughs> relationships
0: yeah, yeah yeah well um i'll have to have you on again in another every they're all about relationships so uh Uh, We can unpack another one in the future. Yeah. All right. Let's do another. Thanks again. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Tune in next week to find out what happens with Regina and Bruce. (laughs) So does that make me miss America?
1: Will loving Bruce bring Regina happy? Oh, is it Regina or Regina? We didn't decide. Will loving Bruce bring Regina happiness or heartache? Find out in Sweet Valley High, number 18, Head Over Heels.
0: It's just so, so
1: good.